every creation, including every piece of paper, every object, every piece of art was created in light, right? All creation is light and it needs to have its highest and best journey, right? But when we hold on to things from guilt and obligation and on these lower emotions, that energy gets stuck. It gets stuck in the object and it gets stuck in our field, in the field that we're working in and living in, and it affects us. And when we start to release these objects, all of a sudden these miracles start to happen. Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Space for Magic podcast. I'm your host, Patty Lennon, and today we are going to talk about what I call receiving rule number three. Now, if you're new here, my philosophy is based on five rules of receiving, that how we make space for magic is by opening up our receptivity to all of the gifts, the universe, the divine source, whatever word you use, is sending us at all times is based on our receptivity. And how we keep that receptivity open is by following what I call the rules of receiving, which are really guideposts. And so if you listen to past episodes, you can learn more about the first rule, which is about allowing in what the world is giving you, right? Both the good and the bad. And receiving rule number two is about receiving yourself. And we've talked a lot about that, but I've talked less about rule number three, which is clear space to make space. Now, in receiving school, where we work on all of this, when we get up to receiving rule number three, people are usually pretty relieved because they've been doing all of this kind of ethereal, energetic work, and our minds, our human minds, crave tangible, crave things they can touch and feel and something you can do, a checklist, like get it done and and have it done, which makes, if that's your, if the way you're built then this is going to be great for you. You're going to love it. So clear space to make space basically is saying that the objects, the things taking up space in our life, whether it's your clothes or your physical space or furniture or sometimes people, but we're not talking about them right now, that all of that has an effect on your energy. And if you're surrounded by a lot of clutter or things that don't feel good or that carry the weight of guilt or obligation, you're naturally going to be more in resistance, which just means you're kind of holding your energy in and you're bracing yourself against what's around you. If you've ever been in a, um, if you ever worked in an office where there was like a lot of paperwork around, maybe that's your office, then you know that it's a lot harder to really focus and and produce really high quality work than let's say if everything was kind of put away in a home and and filed and and that you had a clean workspace. You know, if I'm we're always looking for new graphics and my amazing graphic designer will always run things by me. We test them out on 
advertising. And always, if we have one graphic that's a clean desk with maybe uh, one bouquet of flowers and, you know, a notepad, a clean white notepad, those ads, no matter what it is we're advertising, they always do better because we're always looking for that clear space, right? It makes us feel good. It energetically feels good. And it can be easy to think that you're doing all this inner spiritual work and and that should be enough. But in fact, your physical space does matter because it affects how your brain works. It affects how you feel. And all of those things contribute to your ability to allow in all the good stuff that the divine is sending you that you've desired, that you've asked for. So in receiving school, when we get to this point, we touch on a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. But for now, I'm going to focus on clutter. And, and clearing clutter. And before I, and, and by clutter, I just mean things that are in your space that don't feel good to you. And there's a few reasons why we have clutter or objects that don't feel good to us. The first is we're just very busy, right? I mean, some people call themselves, oh, I'm just so disorganized. Inevitably, when I found disorganized people, it's typically people who have really overgiven themselves. They've committed to a lot of different people and uh, projects, and they usually do it from the kindness of their heart. And so disorganized just typically means that you overextend yourself, right? Um, So that's one reason. Another reason is that you have things in your home that were given to you or handed down and come with a sense of obligation. And you may not even realize how much they're affecting you. But if they're not there with a sense of love and excitement and joy and receptivity, they're taking away from your receptivity and your ability to bring in all the abundance that is already being handed to you. You know, in light of the time that we're in specifically, and what I mean by that is when this podcast is going to run, it is going to be running just a few days before or maybe actually on, now that I think about it, I think it's going to be running on the day of the anniversary of my mother's death. And so she passed away exactly 10 years ago. And this time of year always brings up you know, memories of that, that time because my mom did pass from cancer. So it was a journey. Her crossing over was a journey and it happened over weeks and weeks and weeks. And so we had the time to say goodbye to her. And there was a lot of events that happened during that time that really shaped the work I do here with with all of you today. And so I am at that point, if you're grieving and you're wondering, does it ever get better? Like, does it ever get easier? the, The thing I've always shared is you never are going to feel the old normal, right? If you're missing someone, that hole is always going to be in your heart. However, you become a different person because of it. And if you allow it to work its magic, eventually you will find gifts in it. But until that happens, you know, just honor that you're on a journey of grief. But I can tell you staying here, sitting here 10 years since I said goodbye to her, There are moments where it just feels as raw and real as it did that day. But for the most part, it's the good stuff that I remember now. And even that time, it's the lessons and the wisdom I gained and and who I became in that process. And that applies actually to what we're talking about today. So 
we are Irish Catholic and why that's important is, you know, lots of different cultures approach death in very special ways. And I'm not as familiar with them, but the Irish Catholics are a pragmatic bunch. I would say death typically is considered a celebration, even if it doesn't always feel like that right in the moment. It is not something to be, you know, when someone crosses over, you want to remember their goodness, right? And their light. And that's where the focus is. And certainly leading up to it, it's not, we, I grew up in a household where death was just a fact of life. We went to wakes. We saw lots of dead people in their caskets. <laughs> that's, that's probably why I'm so comfortable with death. And I say that only because based on the culture you were raised in, this may feel kind of gruesome, what I'm about to share with you, but it was just a way of life. So leading up to my mother's death, her intention before she had started going downhill was really to have her funeral arrangements done so that no one had to worry about it. But that didn't happen. And, and she ended up being bedridden and not in a position to plan her own funeral, but really wanting to know that it was done. And so there I am, you know, already just so heartbroken that we're on this journey and taking my father to the funeral parlor to plan the funeral. And we're going through, you know, all the questions that need to be answered. And there was one part that I was a little concerned about, which was that because we were Catholic, the Catholic church at one point did not allow for cremation. And yet my mother wanted to be cremated. But at the point that we were in 10 years ago, it was allowed by the Catholic church. But I never quite knew where my dad was in catching up with, you know, where we were with all what was acceptable, what wasn't. And I was a little concerned that when we got to the part about the casket, that he would fight the cremation. But, you know, we got to that part of the questioning and he said, my wife wants to be cremated. And so they said, okay, then, so then we just need to pick the urn. And so they take out a large book and we're looking at this and he picks an urn and it's a lovely urn. And then, so we get to the end of all the questions and this takes like an hour and a half. It's the most painful, excruciating level of detail. And so we get to the end and then my father, so the, the funeral director said, do you have any questions? And my dad said, yeah, what are we going to bury? You know, what are, what are we going to use for the burial? And he said, oh, the urn, the urn, you know, is burial ready, I guess. I don't really remember what the term was. And um, my dad said, well, no, because that's, that's going to be on our mantle. And I was shocked because I did not think that he would thought he was keeping the ashes. Because the one thing, the Catholic church was fine with cremation, but the ashes still need to be buried in a consecrated cemetery. So it's, you know, a cemetery that's blessed in whatever way the Catholic church requires it. And so now I'm thinking, dang, I did not see this coming, right? And um, I said, well, dad, you know, we were going to bury the ashes. And he said, oh, no, no, we're, we're keeping the ashes. And I, I did not have the bandwidth to have that conversation with him then. So I said, all right, well, we just, you know, it's either it gets buried or it's on your mantle, but there's only one urn. So we, we finished that meeting and we were coming home to his house and where my sister and my cousin were with my mom and they come out of the house. I guess, to meet us and see how things went. And I rush ahead to them and I say, dad's keeping the urn. And they're like, what? And I'm like, dad thinks he's keeping the urn on 
I don't know. We did, he didn't even have a mantle. So I'm like, I don't know his dresser maybe. <laughs> and my sister is like, oh no, he's not. I'm like, well, you can have that conversation, but I do not have the ability to have that conversation with him right now. There's just too much going on. So my sister proceeds to have the conversation with my father privately. And I went in to talk to my mother and I'm going to tell you about that conversation in a second. But it's important for you to know how that conversation my sister had ended. Essentially, she helped him understand that that was not what was expected, appropriate, what my mother wanted. He didn't necessarily want to keep the ashes. It was that he really had no familiarity with cremation other than what he had seen in the movies. And he had absorbed that as what was expected in that, you know, someone that really honors the dead has these ashes in an urn and the urn's always visible. And, you know, this is just kind of like what we see in Hollywood, right? So he just thought that was the right thing to do. He didn't necessarily want those ashes. I don't even think he would have wanted her to get cremated to begin with. But he was trying to honor who she was and what she wanted. He was trying to do the few things he could do that was within his control. And I'm guessing he was quite relieved to find out that we were actually going to be burying the ashes. But I never had a further conversation with him about it. I did, however, have a conversation with my mother. So where my sister took my father in one room, I went to see my mother. And at that point, I just wasn't spending a lot of time away from her, period. So I I missed her. And um, I climbed into bed with her. And I was telling her that the funeral arrangements were done. And I said, but I have to tell you something. Now, at this point, I don't know that my sister has convinced my father to change his mind. So I said, you know, dad wants to keep the ashes. And she said, well, now, isn't he a funny duck? She'd never used that term on him before. (laughs) Usually his inability to get rid of things drove her crazy. But when you're at, what I found going through this journey with my mother is that when you're at the end of your life, your need to control things and attach to other people's choices really goes away. It really goes away. Now, I knew that that was not her expectation, but she was just like, well, hey, I'll be gone. <laughs> so <laughs> do with it what you may. But she had zero attachment to him keeping the ashes. Now, if my sister had not been the person that she is, or if I hadn't summoned up the courage to have that conversation, quite possibly, you know, he passed away a couple of years ago, I would have been having to deal with the ashes at that point. And the thing is, he would have lived with them out of obligation. And and maybe it wouldn't have affected him in any negative way. I got to believe it would. I, I don't think it would have been easy for him to look at those all the time. And he would have gotten there simply because he didn't honor what he wanted. And he was trying to honor what he thought someone else wanted. When in fact, that person didn't even want that, right? It was just a communication issue. And I see this all the time in the receiving school, the way we do the exercise. And one of the exercises is I have people close their eyes and just start to scan the home that they live in or the office they're working in, depending on what they want to focus on. And just feel where the energy calls them and then focus on that room and now scan that room and feel where the energy calls you and then open your eyes, go to that place and see what's there and see what's disrupting you because intuitively, you know where those disruptions are. And when people get down to it, 
they'll find that there's just this one thing or these few things and they have them. And a lot of times they come from like a marriage, meaning they come from another family that they've married into and they feel bad or disrespectful, or they just don't think they're allowed to get rid of an object. But the thing is, every creation, including every piece of paper, every object, every piece of art was created in light, right? All creation is light. And it needs to have its highest and best journey, right? But when we hold on to things from guilt and obligation and on these lower emotions, that energy gets stuck. It gets stuck in the object and it gets stuck in our field, in the field that we're working in and living in, and it affects us. And when we start to release these objects, all of a sudden these miracles start to happen. And I have so many stories of those miracles, but I can tell you from my own personal experience, just the relief that I felt and that I imagine my father felt and probably as unattached as my mother was, how she felt and the rest of our family felt that these ashes were going where they were meant to go and not being held in some suspension out of obligation benefited everyone. And of course, that was easier for us to do as a family because really the thing that that everyone wanted was the same in the end. And communication was really all that that needed to happen to make that possible. But for you, there may be things, you know, in your space that you don't have that, that your mother-in-law really does expect you to hold on to, or that a friend gave you. And if it's not there, you know, their feelings will be hurt. And what do you do with that, right? And this is why clearing space to make space really gets at the heart of the work we do because as long as you're carrying something for someone else, whether it's you're carrying it on a bookshelf or literally inside of you, and it's not what you desire and it's not optimal for you, that doesn't work. The, the world does not benefit. The, your energy does not benefit. And when you start to release things out into the world, yeah, there may be some tough conversations that have to happen, but those are likely conversations that probably need to happen, boundaries that need to be set anyway. And on top of it, then that material object, whatever it is, gets to go where it needs to go, right? Where its highest path is. And again, it's not always easy, especially if, um, you know, if someone that object is attached to has passed on, right? And you, you think you're keeping it out of honoring them. But what I can tell you, having had those conversations when I've done readings for people and we've have interacted, you know, on behalf of a client with someone on the other side of the veil is once they get to the other side of the veil, no one has ever said, yes, hold on to my crap. <laughs> they don't feel that way on the other side. They're clear of it, right? They understand how all this works now and they want only the highest and the best good for you. So if you need to hear that message right now, I hope that it landed exactly where it needed to land and it gives you the courage to do this. The other thing I will tell you about this is go slow. You know, when we talk about, when I talk about the ashes with my father, I don't know how that conversation would have been if my mother had already crossed and we were juggling lots of details, right? At that moment, that was the only detail we had to focus on. And so we could go slow with it, you know, and we could deal with it. And that's what I would encourage you to do is don't 
try and do a mass overall, unless that feels good to you and you're ready for that. I hear so often people say, oh, I've been trying to clear my office for two years. I've been trying to clean out the basement for two years, (laughs) three years, 10 years since I moved in. And the thing is that's that puts yourself and your mind at a um at a failure point because when you're like i'm going to clear the whole office the whole basement the whole house whatever it is it makes the job so big that getting to a finish line is very hard it's far more helpful and valuable to make the uh clearing the clutter clearing bite size make it you know, it would be better for you to have a hundred bite-sized clearings than try and do one massive clearing because then you have a hundred successes that you get to experience as opposed to just this long, long journey of not, not feeling like you succeed, not feeling like you succeed. And when you finally get it done, you're just probably so exhausted from it that there isn't even a celebration, right? So is do these things, do them in bite-sized pieces. And I will tell you, if you feel like you need some help with that, we are going to be, um, as I said, we're focused on that particular, that role of receiving in the membership right now, the Magic Lounge. And we're going to be doing a clutter clearing challenge where I'm going to help help you, help anyone in the membership really drop what needs to get done into a smaller bite size action step so that you can feel some of the success and you can start to build this muscle around being able to let go of stuff and things. And so that's going to happen the week of July 4th. So if you are not already a member of the Magic Lounge, I invite you to join us. You can go to pattylennon.com forward slash Magic Lounge. And in fact, in July, we were going to start a membership, an annual membership sale, but because this podcast is coming out earlier, we're going to start it now. So the membership is $37 a month. But if you join now or in the month of July, you can get it, the annual membership for 25% off. So you can get it for 333. It's my favorite number, my angel number. And a couple of extra goodies. If you're joining in the annual membership, I created a paper clearing system because I did see so many people in the receiving school struggling with clearing paper. And we'll speak about that in a second. So that's one place I see people really get kind of caught up in their clutter. And another is in email. So the email, so just as much as we clear the space in our physical spaces, the space in our cloud, like where we spend time also needs to be clear or else it can really suck up our energy. So I have a a system to get your email down to a manageable process in 30 minutes a day. So I have those two programs. Anyone who signs up in an annual membership between now and the end of July will get those two bonuses as well as the 25% off the annual membership. So again, that those bonuses are if you join for the year and then you get all the other juicy bonuses from the Magic Lounge. We do readings every week. I do readings every week. There's discounts on programs and oh, just so many different resources. I won't get into all of them. You can go check out the sales page if you're interested. The thing that is most time sensitive though, is we'll be doing the clutter clearing challenge the week of July 4th. I'd love to have you in the group if that's of interest to you. So now shifting gears, paper clearing to me is another one that can get really, you know, you may actually be really good at not holding on to things out of obligation, but your paper is out of control. And I won't go into the entire system, but I will tell you the one key is 
that usually gets in the way of paper clutter is to make your paper management system too complicated. And I find when people have these really complicated paper management systems or expect to, that's a behavior that tends to go into the rest of your life. And what I mean by that is, you know, simplifying the way you file things, even if everything just goes into a one file drawer and it's all there, that's way better than having it out all over the place. But a lot of times we put expectations on what it looks like to be a good you know, to have a good system, you know, whether it's about money or your work or some other piece of, you know, capitalist society that there's, you know, what the right people do, what the professionals do, and then there's you. And so then there's this sense of you're not enough. And the key to having a good, a good paper clearing system ends up getting at the heart of you are enough. You really are enough. And I just want to offer you that if right now your paper clutter feels like it's out of control, before you try and address that situation, take some time, especially if you identify as disorganized, take some time to take stock of how you spend your time, especially how much time you give to taking care of others. And just give yourself some appreciation because I would put money on it that if you have you know, your paper is out of control or you identify as disorganized, you're probably doing way more than you have time to do and constantly feeling like you're not enough. And I'm here to tell you, you are more than enough. And it's okay to slow down and take care of yourself, even if some people are going to have to find other earth angels to take care of them. So I'll leave you with that, with the paper clearing. And finally, since I touched on email, although I wanted to focus mostly on the physical clutter, you know, an overwhelming inbox, again, it's a symptom of something deeper. And almost always, it's this desire to please everyone, to always be worrying about other pe- what other people need from you. Because your, your email inbox is other people's agenda for your time. And if it's that overwhelming, that means you feel the burden of all the things people need from you. And it's okay to let that go. Now, that's just scratching the surface. And um, certainly we'll be talking more about that in the Magic Lounge. So if you want to join us, I would love to have you. We do have coaching calls every month also. So if you need some help, some coaching from me on this, I'm happy to help you. If you want to know what your spirit guides have to say about this, I'm happy to share that with you too on our calls go ahead to pattylennon.com forward slash magic lounge. And again, if you join now, you'll also have access to that discount. So I hope I gave you some quick start options for how to start to clear your space. What I do want to leave you with is having a clear space really is so tangible in terms of feeling the receptivity energy, really feeling that life is abundant, really feeling ease, feeling freedom. When you have a clear space, when your clutter is gone, you'll really experience that. And the key is to do it in bite-sized pieces. So again, I hope that helped. I send you my love. And remember, make space for magic, especially right now by clearing space. All right. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy 
when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.